Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Everyone around the world, once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them by Zoom Monday, March 21st. Our main topic was the Lesbian Fight Club which is not just open to lesbians, which trains people in self-defense techniques. As the LGBTQI community remains under attack, it is critically important to learn self-defense. And now, that discussion. Welcome back to the War Room, my beautiful people, fight fans from all around the world. This is your lesbian fight club edition of the War Room, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, my brother, Mr. Eddie Goldman, and my sister, Melissa Smith. You guys, what's happening today? What's up? How you all doing? We're good. Yeah. We're good. Listen, spring. First day of spring. Yay. Is, yes, it is a first day of spring. Are, are now like, I have allergies, so I'm not really excited about the first day of spring <laughs> <laughs> because the pollen count is usually way too damn high. So I'm popping Benadryl, but... You know, I'm glad it's sun shining. I wish it would rain a little bit, but we're all good here at Cali. So um, I heard it was 70 degrees in New York the other day. Is that true? Yeah, it was. And it's in the 60s today. Damn. I can't yeah. imagine what summer's going to be like for you guys. I'm gonna be yeah, it's 63 now. right now and it's 6 p.m. So yeah. I'll send you guys some ocean breeze that way. But look, today we're going to be talking about what I do during my work time, which is I teach LGBT folks how to defend themselves because we have stupid ass sitting members of Congress who have no problem getting on national television and advocating for violence against the LGBT community, specifically the trans community. So I have a lot of issues with that. So I formed the Lesbian Fight Club, but it's all inclusive. Anybody and everybody can show up. And we do this in West Hollywood. And today I want to introduce you guys to one of my clients, my buddy. And she's a member of the Lesbian Fight Club and also a member of the L Project, which is also a lesbian art and, and uh, tech organization here in West Hollywood. Marna, bring your butt on over here. Come on down. <laughs> so this is Marna. What's up? Uh, you guys say hey to Marna. Hey, what's hey, up? How you right. doing? Great to right. see you. How long have we been fighting? Like we've been boxing like five years now, right? Yep. About five or six years, yeah. Right. And still to this day, there's a lot to learn. That's oh, what I told God. I told Marna today. I don't know shit about boxing. You two are my experts. 
Okay. I'm the coaching. I could, I could coach you guys through a workout, but I'm no boxing coach. Okay. I can show you how to hit a little bit, but not in terms of strategy and all that other shit. I, I'll let real coaches do that. But to me, you're my boxing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause you know, I'll kick your ass. So, but anyway, so let's talk a little bit about how do you feel about um, city members of Congress really like out there advocating for people to just walk up to us and just do whatever if they feel like we look trans or gay or lesbian or whatever they feel like. It's infuriating. And in, in fact, it doesn't just affect the gay community it affects the straight community, because if you don't have an appearance that fits the stereotype of what a straight person should be, you're assumed gay you're open to violence. Absolutely. And how do you feel like you, have you learned anything? Have I taught you anything over the last time? Like, I need to know that. Taught me a lot. Yeah. Right. I feel, I feel like if something happened, I have a, I have a chance. Right. Because yeah. she's not the tallest uh, client I've ever had. I like telling people that I'm four foot 12 and let them look at me and say, <laughs> you don't look that short. You look at least five foot. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, if you guys are interested in supporting what we do, uh, uh, sometimes we donate uh, a lot of our time and money to the L Project. We're always taking donations. You guys can check us out at thelproject.org and check us out on Facebook at the L Project LA and on Instagram at the L Project LA. So, um, you guys have any questions for Marna? Well, I, I just have a comment when you're shorter than an attacker and i'm going to assume that most attackers would be male you probably have a clearer shot to their more vulnerable parts who so the attacker is probably taller than you so that could be a, an advantage or a disadvantage yeah. so if you want to just strike them in the nuts you know it you might be it might be a little easier than a person of the same height or yeah. Although today we were working out this morning and I, I don't have a lot of flexibility in my body. It's hard for me to get my leg up. And in practicing kicks today, I realized I could go right for a kneecap. I can just right. kick the kneecap straight on and debilitate someone that way. That's, that's, that's good. That's always good. Right. Yeah, debilitate and stop. <laughs> don't be afraid to stop when they're down and then run like hell out of there because they're not going to be able to yeah. chase you. Exactly. So now we're going to segue into um, our next topic of conversation. With, oh, wait, before I move on, I wanted to ask you guys, did you guys see uh, Kaylee Reese, her uh, movie, Catch the Fire? Yes. Oh, Catch the Fire God. is fantastic film. That, that I've been I haven't seen it. What's it on? Like the last, it's on, uh, you can rent it on Amazon. So Kaylee Reese, uh, Eddie sent me. Kaylee Reese is, is the super welterweight boxing champion, two weight category, uh, two belts. Um, and she is, uh, she has been boxing for quite some time. And she is a Native American and is representative, a very huge representative of that community. And as a boxer, she's the first female uh, champion from that community. She's also African-American. So she has a lot of 
um, a lot of depth, if you will, in terms of understanding the, the problems within the indigenous community, because she's also representative of that smaller group. Um, and the film that she did uh, is about the issue of women, young women who are disappeared from their communities and trafficked for sex. And in this film, she plays a, a, a woman who's a, a, a fighter whose sister goes missing and she decides to search for her and takes things into her own hand to their logical conclusion. The brilliance of this is that this is based on her story she assisted in this writing, developing the screenplay, and she acted for her first time as an actor in this film. And she was even nominated for the Best Act Actress uh, category for the Independent Spirit Awards this year, which is just extraordinary. So this is a so, true story, her sister witnessed. It's not a true story, but it is based on a reality within That's indigenous yeah. communities where women are just disappeared. It actually out that community they're trafficked. A large amount of disappearance. Yeah. No one is looking and, at it. And you know, there's often drugs involved. Um, and this film really is very, very hard hitting. Oh. Uh, literally and physically, <laughs> because she also boxes in the film, right. which is great. But uh, more to the point is she is as a as a boxer, she has taken on the mantle of being an activist with for and on behalf of women who are abused within the indigenous community and what that means and not, and using her platform as an, as an athlete, as an elite athlete to really voice what those concerns are and not to hold anything back. So this really was an extraordinary film and yeah. so worth seeing if painful, because yeah. as, as you know, you were talking about developing strategies for being attacked and the fact that in the larger culture it seemed like it's it's open season on on gay and lesbian on the lgbtq community it's also open season on non-white women and non-white men um, in many communities and uh the same thing for indigenous women so it's very important for us to recognize the importance of, of what those unique community stories are and how we can support them and also what those synergies are and how what the intersections are between our communities, whether it's indigenous black or indigenous and LGBTQ or that the whole notion of us being able to take care of ourselves and not be victims, not be victims to the larger social constructs and not be victims amongst ourselves that's so it's okay. hugely important that's what i'm talking about right there so if you yeah, guys i'm back by the way i like okay. my, my internet connection went out as as usual so thank that's you that Spectrum. New york, uh <laughs> that's a new york connection <laughs> yeah so i missed where where that movie is what's uh it's on i believe amazon. it's on amazon now i mean you got paid for it and um 
you can uh, find it in other locales, but it's definitely on, I believe, on Amazon Prime or through Amazon. You can view it. Um, you don't have to buy it necessarily. I think you can rent it. No, I, I supported her. I bought the film. first. Yeah, I, I did too. If I yeah. wanted to add it to my digital collection and then after I watched it, I immediately bought it. I was like, I have to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely important as a work. And again, it amplifies... Uh, something that we prefer not to, to know about. Right. We don't want to know about pain. We don't want to know about trafficking of women, young women. And it was, a, you know, if it's a white blonde girl, sorry, you know, yeah. fine. Oh, it'll, it'll hit the headlines. Right. But a young indigenous girl who uh, is from a, a marginal community, nobody cares. Yeah. So That's the truth so of it. We have to so, do better as a community, but it's conversations like this, where we raise awareness, we get it out there, and that's, that's you know. That's, yeah, and it's important to, to, again, as you say, Chris, have the dialogue, but also to recognize that there are affinities here and there are intersections of experience. Um, you know, I'm 67 years old. It never occurred to me that I would have to worry, today, worry about my daughter walking down the street at night. Right. It breaks my freaking heart that I, I have to worry about that shit for her oh. never mind for me or that you know yeah, it's sort of teaching it. her you know she she's an aikido person um oh. Oh, and has done self-defense but you know teaching her how to walk with keys in her hand oh. how to walk down a city sidewalk not too close to the doorways not too close you know walking down the middle how oh. you use oh. windows to keep safe yeah. it's crazy shit That's but here we are here we are. There are probably better things than Aikido to uh, to compliment, particularly boxing and wrestling, the two things. Yeah, he's box. fight is very short, but those things can end things rather quickly. Yeah, she's a boxer. And it quickly and get the hell out of there. I, I mean, look, I took Krav Maga last year, and that was so helpful to me because I'm a boxer. I've been boxing 25 years, but Krav Maga? Taught me how to scream out freaking loud, you know, and just go for somebody's throat, right. throw an elbow. Right. What are you right. losing? I am losing nothing if I break the asshole's nose. I don't care. Take right. me to jail. Oops, sorry. Because it's self-defense rather than sport. There are all exactly. sorts of things you can't do. You can't do in boxing. You can't in any combat sport has rules and there are a whole bunch of things you can't do on the street. It's not a sport. No. Well, survival. That kind of came up this morning. We had someone who joined our group this morning and we were getting ready to spar and realize it, it, for this woman, she was having so much trouble with it. It wasn't because she didn't know how to throw the part, the, the punches. It was because she was so socialized as a woman yes. in our community that she couldn't allow herself. And I'm like, you just can't just hit my, my gloves. That's all. Not me, just the gloves. I can't, I can't hit someone. So I, we spent a while just getting her to just tap. That was a breakthrough for her as a woman. I, I write about, I have written about that when I first, the first time I hit somebody in a gym, I burst into tears. Wow. And it took me a long time to even learn how to hit a heavy bag. Yeah. So I went through that experience Again, you know, women in my generation in particular is like, oh, good girl. 
same generation. She's a young, she's a young girl though. I mean, a young yeah, lady, I should say. She's not a girl, but she's a young lady. But it's lady. still, it's yeah. the socialization. You're absolutely right. And breaking through one's own imprisonment of one's yeah. own power, because we're also socialized not to have power. And actually um, that surprised me because to assert power. I'm also in my sixties. We were socialized to be that way. And I had assumed that the younger women no. were feeling more power. And that's actually what I love about the Lesbian Fight Club is that you, it's an opportunity for these women to get out and break into it. Yeah, learn yes. how to try and get comfortable being hit and hitting. Get comfortable and fit and get comfortable with your own power. I call it the circle of power where, you know, you. You extend your arm out and, and then suddenly you're, you know, okay, you, you're four foot 12, but you got four feet 12 <laughs> arms, you know? And every time you throw a jab and you're going forward, you're extending your circle yeah. full of power just as when you're going back. So it's that construct that it's not just your physical body, it's, it's your circle of power. It's that space between you and it, you and the other, where you exude that protection sort of like I walk down the street now, I have more confidence. I could still get attacked, right? but I am more confident. And because I feel more confident when I walk down the street, people won't necessarily mess with me right. because they're like, they don't know. Is she a victim or not a victim? Yeah. They don't know. Exactly. You don't want to appear to be a victim. No. no. So I always say, I don't need a weapon because I am a weapon. Look mean. <laughs> Practice your mean face. All right. And elbow strikes, man. You got an elbow to elbows and knees to the nuts. Knees to right. the nuts. That's that's always good. Or just a, a punch or And the heel of your hand. Right. Palm, palm strikes, which are used in different yeah. martial arts right here. and right to here. the throat too and to the yes, throat that's that's another good area to hit oh. yeah i think it's important also to emphasize why this is needed because a lot of martial arts and self-defense gyms and classes are run by straight up reactionaries tied into police departments uh white supremacists this is something really around the world that i discuss with some people that that really cover this that it seems that the majority of the martial arts all over are tied in with various reactionaries as said white supremacists anti-lgbtq misogynists and and so forth not everybody but the the, the bulk of them that right. run these so or, what you're around. doing is absolutely necessary and what we've seen particularly in the last few years since the rise of Trump and open reaction and trying to roll back every gain that's been made by people in society. We've seen you got the Lesbian Fight Club in LA, you got the Gay Fight Club in Brooklyn, you have all sorts of different LGBTQ self-defense and martial arts groups being trained all over the place. You got next year in Australia, the World Gay boxing championships will be taking place, and Australia. Uh, we should go to that, Marta. Martin, Martin, yeah, they, it's World now. Pride. <laughs> I think World Pride is in uh, Australia next next year. Wow, so Martin Stark, 
was the one that set this up. And he got sanctioned. He got approval from Boxing Australia and the various professional sanctioning bodies. He's gotten a lot of support for that event. So, you know, we'll get in there, travel problems. We'll see what happens with COVID. But it's very, very important that, he, that he's doing that event. And these are the kind of things that everybody should really support, whether you're LGBTQ or not. Because, the, you know, there's the old saying, an injury to one is an injury to all. And this is particularly important in this period. You got Putin regime, which is virulently and openly anti-LGBTQ, oh, yeah. just basically wanting to set the world on fire to impose their medieval reactionary views on everybody, destroy Ukraine, commit war crimes, crimes against humanity. And it, this is going on all over the place. And they have support from many different Republican politicians and others. Some are openly saying it, some are keeping sort of quiet, but they're really supporting that. And, and you could give a million examples of this. The, the attack on trans kids and trans athletes and the families of trans kids that in Texas, they want to investigate them. All this stuff is just absolutely horrendous and trying to roll back everything. So all these these initiatives are something that really have to be supported. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this is why I think this is this is important in terms of the overall work that we've been doing in terms of fighting uh, corruption and for social justice in the combat sports and in boxing. I know. Thank you, Eddie, for that commentary. All right, look, we're going to let Marna go and we're going to move on to our next summit. Marna, thank you for dropping in. It's been real. We'll see you next time, my friend. So look. Thank you. Okay, tell me what's going on now with the IBA. I see that Gazprom still has their tentacles just wrapped all around by way of a sponsor contract. So, um, Eddie, give us an update on that, please. Yeah, well, the IBA, formerly IEBA, was deeply in debt for some very uh, suspicious type of deals that they had. And Gazprom, which is the Russian uh, energy monopoly, one of the one of the energy monopolies, uh, state controlled, came in and paid off their debt and helped put in Umar Kremlev as the new the president of the I the renamed IBA, which they renamed it last year, and apparently it's their sole source of funding. And even the IOC said, that's not good to just have one source of funding. This is last year. This didn't happen last night or just when uh, Russia attacked Ukraine. This happened in April of 2021. And later in 2021, they, have, they had their elections and Kremlev was elected a president overwhelmingly. There were hardly any votes against them. Now, with the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, there are many people saying that you have to kick out uh, Russian and Belarusian uh, organizations and fighters. Well, they still haven't thrown out the Russian or Belarusian boxing federations. They said, well, we won't allow them into the next uh, 
the next big event, which is the uh, Women's World Championships in May. But then they're trying to reverse that and try to push through the leadership. Well, let's let people from uh, Belarus fight. And of course, that would be a way, in, an easy way in to let Russian fighters come in, coming in into Belarus. But that apparently was voted was voted down. And they just said that, and this was Sean uh, McGoldrick, the, the writer for the Irish Independent, did a really good job exposing this, how some of these uh, federations now are complaining and saying that uh, they, they should cut ties with Gazprom, but IBA, uh, Kovacs, the general secretary said, we can't do that because they're totally dependent on them. They don't have any other sponsors. So there's now been this alliance formed by these boxing federations from the US, the UK, France, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and uh, apparently a couple of other countries. But these are the same countries that voted in Kremlev and accepted that Gazprom was not just a sponsor, but their general partner. So this is just hypocrisy. And why can't all these countries, a number of which are very rich, get sponsors for IBA? The reason is the organization is corrupt. It's decrepit. Amateur boxing, Olympic boxing really isn't that popular anyway to begin with. So why can't they get any of the, the traditional Olympic sponsors, big companies like McDonald's or Visa or AT&T or Coca-Cola or whatever, to or any, any other company that's a rival of theirs, it's not an Olympic sponsor, to sponsor them. Very simple. They don't want to attach their name to this thing. They don't want to attach their name to a corrupt organization. So now they're really between a rock and a hard place. And it's very clear that they're trying to find a way to get the Russian and Belarusian boxers back into uh, their competition. And that's what Gazprom wants. So who's really pulling the strings? He's the old line, follow the money. And so they're dependent on the Gazprom money. And this is the direction, this is the direction that they, they're going in. And this is one of the, as we've discussed before, one of the uh, Olympic federations headed by a Russian. And it's not just any Russian, it's somebody that's tied into the various money interests in Russia. And this is the result that you get, is utter chaos. And, and it proves my point once again, there's no basis for continued all-inclusive world sport, including countries like Russia and some others, which are totally corrupt. The sporting establishment is totally corrupt. And now you have Russia's war against everything, against Ukraine. And they've specifically said it's against the West and Western values and against democracy and everything else. And now they're in this, they're in this position. And it's made the IOC look really stupid because they've been, they were suspended a couple of years ago by the IOC, you know, it's going to be very difficult for the IOC to, to reinstate them. And if, and unless there's another international boxing federation founded dude, on the Olympic level, you could have in 2028 in Los Angeles, no boxing in the Olympics. 
because the IOC might run it one more time again in Paris in 2024, even if the IBA is not reinstated. Uh, but the future is not good for amateur and Olympic boxing. And if that goes down the drain, we know the effect it'll have on professional boxing overall. I think who might step in, will be sort of out of the frying pan and into the fire, are one of these, uh, one of these oil monarchies in the Middle East, which you seem to be funding a lot of things, uh, throwing some money uh, at IBA as a sponsor. I think that's certainly a possibility to so that they can control them more. And those people are connected more with the IOC hierarchy. But again, that's going to be sports washing. It's been another type of sports washing where the, these horrible authoritarian absolute right. monarchies say, oh, look, we're modern. We're sponsoring these sports and all this kind of stuff. So that's all bullshit. Does it doesn't it doesn't look good because of this has been run so terribly run, and the, uh, the other thing too to, to raise is that on Saturday, you know, the, this weekend Putin held a rally, ostensibly to start their their own Paralympic Games because they were mm -hmm. kicked out of the Paralympic Games in Beijing, and he was using that to call you know dubious, biased refereeing and slander, hostile antics. Uh, politically, uh, how the anti-doping bureaucracy has become a politically engaged dictatorship. So, I mean, he was pulling out crazy sight, you know, at this rally with all these Russians waving flags, you know, and P.S. we're fighting the anti-fascists and including the doping. So anti-doping, I mean, it, it literally is 1984 here. We're just, you know, good totally. is bad, bad is good. Uh, so, uh, you know, th those kinds of distortions uh, only add into the the obfuscation of what, what is really going on here, which is corruption in sports. And to your point, Eddie, you know, who knows, maybe we'll see Dubai, which is now in league with, um, you know, the Kinahan people, Pro Bellum and so on to make Dubai the center of, uh, of boxing in the Middle East or trying to replace Las Vegas. So you know, who knows, maybe they're gonna throw in some coin to sort of say, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll start supporting amateur sports in the way that you know, MTK Global was doing that years ago and starting these little gyms everywhere but get into uh, the world of amateur, amateur boxing as feeders to the professional side, you know, public service kind of nonsense. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a really a lot of opportunity in this. If there is a vacuum where, uh, wherein Gazprom has to pull out or a IBA is reorganized yet once again with new funding streams, um, there's the, there are those possibilities for corruption and dubious practice. So yeah, I, I don't not see, a good thing. I just don't see the I, IBA being, um, you know, doing this makeover because you would have to drop it down to skeleton crew. You might as well just dissolve the whole organization and start from scratch. That's basically how it should be, I think. And anyway, but look. We're going to be talking about this forever because they're, those fools are not going away. Gazprom has invested too much money 
And IBA and IOC are just going to do whatever Gazprom and Putin tells them to do. Yeah, and it's also that what uh, Melissa said about this whole situation in Dubai, the cat was let out of the bag in terms of the relationship of uh, Kinahan, the alleged uh, head of uh, an international drug money laundering and gun running cartel and pro bellum it probably inadvertently and stupidly this guy right tamor khan body who is a provincial minister for sport for uh, punjab pakistan uh put up on twitter openly some photos of himself with kinahan in dubai right after the pro bellum show uh, shows that took place uh, this past weekend. And this guy wrote, met Pro Bellum on aligning vision unboxing for Punjab and how to make this sport bigger for our youth. Looking forward to hosting Daniel in the picture of Kinahan in Lahore, which is in Pakistan, to discuss Pakistan's first international fight with foreign world-class boxers. So, in other words, he's openly saying he went to Dubai to meet with the Probellum people, and he's working out this deal with Kinahan. And there were all these pictures in this luxurious hotel of this guy and Kinahan, and he's inviting him, inviting him to Pakistan. So a lot of people have said that you got all these, you got all these fighters who are associated with MTK on the probellum card mm -hmm. and ostensibly the president of probellum is richard schaefer who people know from boxing from golden boy and has been around for a long period of time and is based in la now formerly you know from switzerland but where's where did all this money come from to run all these shows have all these international cards flying people all around the world into dubai where there's really not much of a natural boxing market that goes on there and they recently got some some tv deals but they started off without any tv or streaming so where was where did all this money come from and now you see them openly meeting with kinahan so the cat was the cat was let out of the bag in this situation and uh that bag is getting uh, bigger and that's yeah it really is, is going it's bigger and, and they're all sport washing each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, okay, we'll get rid of this guy, but we'll go with this. We'll go from it's here to here. Like we used to do at FedEx. We used to reorganize our crews. Like if you was doing something, you put that person over here, but you just changed your shirt. That's all. You're still in the you same, just change your shirt, the same, same Right. Same right. And Kinahan is involved with most of the major boxing promoters. Eddie Hearn has been promoting a lot of uh, his fighters, as we've mentioned. We have Schaefer with Probellum. Of course, you have Tyson Fury. It's co-promoted by Bob Arum and Frank Warren and, and many others. I don't know if, if there's any PBC connections since they seem to be more just... Oh, they don't, they don't black out PBC. They don't want no part no, of that, Al Hayden. No, PBC doesn't seem to be. And, uh, They're not in that know. mix. Uh, right, but, but you know but you got Bella in there you got all the other uk people in yeah. there you yeah. know yeah. you got boxer you got sky sports they're all right sky sports which is sky which is part of comcast which owns nbc they all kinds of connections and so 
they've moved beyond just the MTK name and just sort of spreading like a, a virus all throughout yeah. professional boxing. Yeah, but as I said, I, I, you know, I, I think we it bears watching to see how the amateurs play out through all of this because it's another way of getting a lot of money, you know, and uh, a pipeline. And they are, you know, MTK Global is already in all these gyms all over the world. All, sponsoring all world. a lot of clubs, sponsoring amateurs and bringing them along as amateurs and then signing them up. So uh, that may, might be there, there some watching down the line. And, and again, I, and I'm convinced that sports betting is in there. Just don't know where I haven't found it yet. But. Well, yeah, because, right, because you can always do that very uh, privately. Exactly. One way or another, you could uh, monkey around with the results and place yep. uh, place a bet on some unlikely outcome to a fight. There are all sorts of ways of doing it. And how much of this is, there are some people in the media, the Irish media in general has been great about this. But outside of that, there are a couple of people in the boxing media here and there who who talk about it. But in the main, they don't want to talk about it. They don't because, want to talk about it. Yeah, oh. because they'll, they'll lose access. They deserve the money. That's yeah. They exist as propagandists for the promoters and networks. Right. And they'll lose access to the fights if they really mm -hmm. hammer this home. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, look, I think that's about enough of the IBA shenanigans we're going to talk about today. We will be back next week for sure to talk about whatever Eddie wants us to talk about. <laughs> but in the meantime, well, we'll see what comes up. I, I just want to make one additional comment about a wrestling that came out over the last right now. Eddie. We don't have we don't have the, the ratings yet. But the NCAA Division One Wrestling Championships concluded in Detroit. As usual, in the new uh, Little Caesars Arena in the middle of Detroit on uh, Woodward, they they sold out every session. They had a huge crowd there as well. The big story, though, is the big star of wrestling, Gable Stevenson, won another NCAA title. He, of course, last year in Tokyo was Olympic gold medalist in freestyle wrestling, and he left his shoes on the mat retiring from real wrestling. But he's going to the WWE doing the fake wrestling now. And what, while he put on such a dominant performance, and I tweeted about this also, is that was re it's really sad that now that Steve Sins is a star in real wrestling, there's no place for him there anymore because it's so poorly run, so few people care about it that if he, and he's young, he's like, what, about 21? And, and this is his time to make some money and he has to go and, you know, he made like this WWE. I don't know if he knows what it's really like, you know, what it's really like there, but he has to leave real wrestling and it's been true of other people. And it, this really highlights again, how horribly run this has been. And I'll be trying to be commenting a little bit more on that, but wrestling could be a major real professional sport if it were properly run, I said this for a long time, and it hasn't been properly run. Corruption, stupidity, uh, amateurishness, and running it, and that's kind of where that's kind of where we're left today. It's very sad. Sad, very sad, and that's where we're gonna leave it, folks. 
All right, Melissa, I want you to tell people where they can find you, sis. You got it, babe. Uh, I am um, at Girl Boxing now on Twitter and on Instagram. And my website is girlboxing.org. And just thank you for this opportunity to talk to you all about the things I love. What we love. That's right. Women's boxing. You guys need to pick up her book on Amazon, The Women's History of Boxing. Did I get that right? I, a history of women's boxing. A history of women's boxing. You <laughs> because know, I wasn't yeah, arrogant yeah. enough to say it was the history. Yeah, it was the first right. and it's that's A. Right. That's right. I hope there are many who follow me into this field. That's right. We need more people like you, Melissa. All right, Eddie, tell people where they can find you, brother. Yeah, on Twitter, at NHB News, tweeting a lot about combat sports, a lot about uh, Ukraine and Russian political stuff, too, and some baseball and some other sports stuff. The Patreon page that I mentioned, support independent journalism, because you're going to see stuff on there that uh, you're not going to get on these major sites that are right. all uh, controlled by the, the promoters and networks. It's patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And I will be having on Tuesday, I guess it'll just sort of be an, an online or uh, semi-online birthday party yeah they'll be doing that maybe on twitter or something like that so and we can do a, a birthday spaces for you tomorrow eddie on twitter 